So, hello, internet, and welcome to another episode of the Goddamn Milkman Immediated Podcast. Today, I'm talking comics, and more specifically, I'm talking Dan Slott, and more specifically, I'm talking Dan Slott on Spider-Man. Um, to catch up those who don't know, I guess, Dan Slott is someone who worked his way up at Marvel from kind of interning and doing odd jobs to kind of earning his way to doing a few odd scripts, doing some scripts outside of Marvel, and then up his way to bigger and bigger books at Marvel until he landed on kind of inarguably the biggest book at Marvel, which is The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, at first, when he got to Amazing Spider-Man, he was part of a different writing cell that, well, not a different writing cell, a different presentation cell that they were doing at the time where they would rotate writers and artists and they were shipping three times a month, um, which is closer to the norm since then because they can sell more comics that way. But it's reduced down to two um, since they've gone back to having pretty much a main writer and a mostly consistent amount of artists the thing is is with any book that goes over one a month uh your consistency with art almost has to vary to keep up with the output so when he started amazing spider-man he was part of a stable it was himself there was mark wade there was joe kelly there was margaret i'd have to sorry yeah there's some names I don't remember them all off the top of my head. I'm not looking at anything right now. I didn't do any research. This is just off the top of the dome. Anyways, part of the stable. Oh, Mark Wade is in there. Jesus. Uh, it was just, it was a weird kind of mix of all stars and up and comers. And Dan Slott was notably from interviews. I've heard kind of this creative push within that group. Um, not only bringing stories forward when it was his time, but also kind of giving creative flow that other creators could push on for their stories that went in throughout that run, which led him into his run. And so in one form or another, he had a run on The Amazing Spider-Man that lasted basically a decade. And in that time, a lot of things took off. There was a spinoff on Venom that he did for one issue that became the status quo for Venom for a long time, where um, it was Flash Thompson with the suit, and it was this kind of militaristic idea that was a compelling idea. And a lot of people's favorite take on Venom for a long time, until Donny Cates knocked that off the block. there was the character Silk brought forward. Uh, there was a character called Alpha that was trying to take off that never did. That was one of the more failed arcs of Slot's run. There was the entire Spider Island thing. There's the entire Spider-Verse thing. There is a whole lot with the Superior Spider-Man with Dr. Octopus took over Spider-Man's body in a Freaky Friday situation that lasted years. And that was part of the thing. Um... Dan Slott's run had a big 
moment with that, with coming into Superior Spider-Man away from Amazing Spider-Man. So they stopped publishing Amazing Spider-Man for a while, and it was the Superior Spider-Man when it was Doc Ock and Peter's body until that dovetail. That was about three years. And I, as a pretty loyal Spider-Man reader, popped off the book for that time and then came back when it was amazing again. And I was upset and whatnot, but I, I guess I should say I was upset, but with some realistic expectations. They did all this stuff to kill Peter, and it was aggravating to see some of that, especially because this was all put up online and whatnot. But... I knew the status quo would return. Peter Parker would be back in full. They did this with the Clone Saga. They've done this in a few other different ways, usually for much shorter durations. And here we go again. And it was frustrating at the time to watch, especially for me, because at the time when Peter was getting a new job, because classically he's been the photographer. Uh, Dan Slott put him into this inventor role where he was kind of at a startup and using his scientific skills to create gadgets and whatnot that would be used for different things. And they had some kind of realistic expectations for a company like that. Like some of it was about like cleaning water or, you know, things that actually scientists might put their minds to, not some weird goofy super scientist contraption to like keep a super villain at bay or whatnot uh, and at that time i was working at a startup and like trying to build up my reputation in the company and all that and it was interesting to see and then they just killed all that it turns out looking back on it now putting peter in that position was so that dr octopus could excel where peter did not but then also excelling in a capitalistic way, which you could read different ways. I don't know how much thought was put into that aspect, but he spins off to start his own company. Anyways, it was a big run. Lots of things happen. And then we're left. And then Nick Spencer took over. I wasn't a fan. Whatever. In Incidental to this. But Dan Slott was away from Spider-Man for really only a few years, about as long as Superior ran. <laughs> and in that time, he had a run with the Fantastic Four and Iron Man. And then he came back to Spider-Man. He did come back to Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, he came back to the adjectiveless Spider-Man, which is just a book called Spider-Man. And also doing some mini work. So now he's going to be doing a mini called Spider-Boy, which is a character introduced in his latest run on Spider-Man. What hurt, though, is that Spider-Boy is very akin to what he did with one of those failed arcs that I talked about. Um, before, which was to present Spider-Man with kind of a sidekick situation. He did this before, and there was a mini before called Alpha. They did this, it didn't land, it's mostly forgotten, it's just not worth talking about. So here he is doing it again. Also, his first arc with his new Spider-Man book was a take on Spider-Verse, which was something he did, but then he did again 
before he left and it was diminishing returns and now that we were at the third time there's some people who love it because the spider-verse comes with it all these different takes on spider-man and so people are excited that there's a disabled spider character or a mexican spider character we get to see the indian spider-man again or something like that um and whereas i'm glad people find meaning in that I think it's worrying that in order to find meaning for these things, and that it's so slight, it's some character that got three pages in a miniseries, only a handful of people read, that is that representation. I don't think it's meaningful representation. I think it's a flash in the pan for representation. So, I don't know. I, I don't think that's great. Um, but that is some of what is making this go and so dan slot is now ending this spider-man book but there's a spider boy book and now they're spinning up superior spider-man again and what i'm seeing is dan slot had a really impressive run that was about a decade and now he's going back and he's kind of just rehashing all his hits and that's it and it's hard for me because i've bought every spider-man book for well over a decade now and i'm just seeing this need to cash in on what was and it's hard to watch because really at the end of the day that's all he's doing it's just a rehash and so it's weird too because i don't think there's many situations that happen like this in comics where you have a creator come back to a character that was on it for so long and to not kind of want to do something new or in light of what changed and part of the problem was i don't think there was enough time between dan slot's tenure and him picking it up again now this used to not be the case as much because if you were away from book for a few years so many arcs would happen but Spencer's run, whereas there were a few stories and a few arcs and a few things that maybe you could play with, a lot of what Spencer was doing, for good or ill, depending on your opinion, was kind of putting some toys back that Slot had changed to do new and different things with the characters. And so to play with much of that would be kind of against the Marvel formula to begin with, but also not compelling or interesting but feel more like place marking than telling a story um after that we had a brief moment with again a stable of writers that did some stuff but that was primarily with ben riley who is the clone of peter parker um, essentially saying there wouldn't be much with the main character to do and the story kind of wrapped up itself there there isn't a, there isn't a ton to play with there but there is a big thread to play with there but that is a key component of the Zeb Wells run, who's currently on Amazing Spider-Man, who is for the most part getting panned due to some pretty understandable reasons. I'm not a huge fan of his run, but I think I'm softer on it than most, and I absolutely loathed it for the better part of a year now. I'm coming around to some of the things that they're trying to do, and some parts I just don't like, and I'm trying to take it in stride because some of it is a taste bearer but some of it is just poor storytelling and some of it is 
playing on some gross tropes. Um, I don't know. Again, I feel like that's another topic. Amazing Spider-Man's a big book, and there's a lot of opinions and thoughts and trying to navigate what I would want to say about it, especially publicly, can sometimes be a little tricky. Uh, but in that, there hasn't been that much time for Spider-Man. I was saying all that to say there's a very famous run, also Marvel run, also a big book. Claremont did X-Men for about a decade. Except he, when I say about a decade, I'm rounding down <laughs> with him. Especially when you consider at the time he did Uncanny X-Men. He also did a big chunk and the formative stuff for New Mutants. He wasn't quite an X-Factor, but like he had some minis and stuff and he had his hand in a lot of pies and set off a lot very akin to what slot was doing with spider-man in a lot of ways though before and in a much bigger way in a much meaningful more meaningful way and a lot more stories that made a lot more impact um partially because they were earlier partially because claremont played with the idea of society and place and a number of different characters and told so many different stories in today's world in twitter there's a lot of people who come down on him and talk about some of his stuff maybe being a little too stereotypical or tropey and some of that is somewhat ill-informed because some of those tropes were things that he was doing the cutting edge on and they weren't rehashed or reused that many times but in the years since he wrote those comics they became more popular because he wrote those comics. Uh, I don't know, like, no one's blaming Star Wars for being kind of a tropey use of the hero's journey, because it really set a new foundation for it, and going back and blaming it for that is not the best criticism. And that's some of what I see with Claremont. But all that with claremont happened claremont came back to the x-men in some different forms later different minis being on uncanny again things like this again akin to slot though at this point claremont's had a lot more time to come back and slot hasn't and claremont has told more differing stories based on where he wanted to go but he was always moving forward and when he wrote some x-men stories post grant morrison he played with the leather aesthetic and some of the more plays to hire superhero whatnot and really played in that mayu which was a far cry from where he had really ended x-men sans the three issues he did with jim lee he was really focusing on more personal stories and building to a big superhero moment at the end of a lot of personal stories coming together and having catharsis at the end and exploring different aspects of society, personality, etc. And at the time, and some of what he gets discredited for too, I see with people, is the fact that he was writing in the 80s. The idea of like Ileana and Kitty Pride being you know, close to each other was a bit ambiguous, but he has said he wanted to make them girlfriends, which is an interesting thing to say in an interview, because he's not saying that he, he... 
I think he's saying he intended and wanted to get there, but I also don't think he felt the way he wrote it was strong enough to even get past the censors to make that kind of a relationship happen. But he was kind of leading towards that way. So a lot of people in fan kit, and now it is canon because of more recent writers, um, kind of put them on a more romantic path in between the panels, if you will. Things like this were happening. These are things Claremont had to overcome. Slot never <laughs> did anything like that. He also didn't really have to. He was writing post-code and in a very different generation. Uh, it's been noted in interviews that he is the first Spider-Man writer who had to deal with the perpetual idea of not just the internet, but Twitter really right because that's where a lot of the condemnation whatnot so i mean the amount of fan response is so voluminous and different and the venom is so much more there and it's a different thing that no other spider-man writer has had to deal with as they were writing it before he did others have had two cents now obviously um and so that's a lot of interesting note. But another interesting note to that is it's been pointed out that Claremont has long stretches where he doesn't write anything, certainly not anything for comics. And that's because there's a lot of beliefs and some basic notes to that he's had golden handcuffs placed on him, which means Marvel's basically paying him a retainer to not write. They don't necessarily want him doing anything, but they don't want the competition either. And that's a hard deal to turn down at times, especially when you're already relatively set up like he is. Um, and what gets me is slots in a position where if they put the golden handcuffs on him for at least a year or two and then brought him back, it would have benefited everyone far more than keeping Claremont off anything now. Because Claremont is past his prime, let's just say. And I say that as someone who would instantly buy anything he did currently. Uh, he just did a mini with the X-Men uh, focusing on Gambit. And I really enjoyed that much more so than a lot of the modern stuff. And... I think that can be telling for mo where modern X-Men is right now. But uh, having Slot do that and give way for some new creators, a new voice, and let that breathe before you let him touch Spider-Man again would have done so much more because really, he'd been away for a couple of quick beats. And then you have him rehashing his old hits that were in story parlance because i mean spencer really only had like three stories and then wells is only really at two and there's only one in between like there some of the stuff dan slot's been touching on it really only happened like a few stories ago in spider-man story terms so they really needed a breath and i think that's a problem and as that's been happening, as Slot's been increasing and very much in this online community space, you also see the fan reaction happening more violently both ways. There's people who feel this need to defend him and whatnot, and Dan Slot is a notorious person for blocking a lot of people, which I frankly understand. 
but it can be hard because he'll block people really quick when they might have something of a valid criticism at times. And he doesn't want to deal with that. And frankly, he doesn't necessarily have to either. Like, authors aren't beholden to take any and all criticism that come with them. And sometimes people forget the source is hard. I mean, when it's just a feed of people talking at you and a lot of it is venom, it's hard to interpret a maybe not as eloquently written criticism as just a criticism. And so, I mean, I can understand that as the man. I also don't want to defend the man too much. I only care about him as a creator. And in that way, I don't really know anything about his personal life outside of a handful of details I've gleaned from listening to several interviews with him, primarily about his Spider-Man run, but I'm also interested in other things he's created. And that's the other thing is I've read a lot of Dan Slott comics, but I mean, he's primarily been at Marvel for years, just working on these property books. And more so than most creators, I think it would do him a world of good to go to Image, to go somewhere and do an original book, even if it's just a mini, just to flex a different muscle at this point. I've never seen him do something that isn't some major established property. And he's frankly at a point in his career where his legacy is something he can build and do something with. And the only way to really take it to the next level at this point and not have diminishing returns and ultimately kind of sully a lot of what he's built is to do something more original. So... I think that sums up a lot of my thoughts about Dan Slott and kind of gets to the heart of everything. Anything beyond that feels a lot more incidental or moment to moment. And so I think, but I think there's also something there because that a lot of that is very particular to Dan Slott. But I think we're also seeing echoes of that with creators like Hickman or Scott Snyder, and both of those are creators that are a lot more bulletproof because they have done a lot more original and interesting works. But also this idea that they might return to something that they've done before, and it could really come back on them. I don't know. And also, Hickman's in a weird place because he's doing two big $10 books for Marvel, and that's the big hubbub right now. We'll see how that plays out. I don't want to say too much because I have conflicting thoughts. Anyways, cheers. Thank you for listening to me babble, and I hope you'll listen to another soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.